pressing in part five, strength to persevere, right? So the first thing in that first week, we discussed things. We talked about you got to make a choice to persevere. The key takeaways from that week were these. There's no prize for those who choose not to cross the finish line. Coach said as a coach, uh, he's a track coach. And he's in the studio tonight. And if he could answer this question, I already know the answer. You do too. Has anybody ever won a prize if they never crossed the finish line? What shall I answer? The answer is no. So sometimes you're trying to go too fast. Sometimes you, you think you're going too slow. Sometimes because you don't line up with Pastor Chris or you're not running as fast as Pastor Edwin or you're not going as fast as somebody else. That doesn't matter. All that matters is this, don't quit. That's what the Bible says. If you remain still, he says, if you just stay in the race, if you faint not, right, you will inherit, you will get the prize. So that was one of the key takeaways from week number one is that there's no prize for those who choose not to finish, cross the finish line. There's no pressure to try to achieve what God has promised. Why? Our job is to believe him and not give up. It's his job to perform. It's our job to believe. And so that's what we talked about. And then we introduced the topic of writing things on the canvas of our imagination to paint the picture of the promises of God. You can't persevere towards anything if you don't have an image of what you're persevering. The Bible says that faith is when, faith is now. So if I have a word from God, right? Faith starts where the word of God is known. So if I have a word from God that establishes my faith, that faith possesses the promises of God right now. Therefore, on the canvas of my imagination, we taught on imagination several weeks back. Uh, we taught on imagination. We got to have faith. We got to see it in our brain before we see it in the reality. I think Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean summed it up this way. When we see the manifested promise of God, it should also almost be anticlimactic because we have lived in the image of what the promise of God so long by faith that when it actually shows up, it's not a surprise. It was what we were expecting. Uh, I'm a, uh, I have a, a credit card and on one of my credit cards, it gives me money every month to order food, right? Or, or take an Uber. Usually I order food. So every month when I get my $25, I get on the Uber Eats app and I order me some food, right? When I order that food uh, and it shows up, I'm not like, woohoo, wow, out of nowhere, I got a cheeseburger, I got a salad. I'm not doing that. Why? Because the moment I ordered it, I had an expectation that I would receive it. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't anything. It's what I knew was going to happen. And that's what we talked about in week one. We got to know that if God said it, it is a guarantee it's going to happen. It's not a surprise when it shows up. It's just what I've been expecting. Debt freedom is not a surprise when it shows up. It's just what I've been expecting. A, a peace of mind is not a surprise when it shows up. It's just what I've been expecting. And because I live in that and on my in my imagination by faith, then that's what I see. All right. Faith requires a word from God. And it says, are you in faith or are you in flesh? Right. 
you got to decide, am I in faith or I am in flesh? And we'll talk about flesh and why that's not a reliable source to lean on. All right. Week number two, we gave a we gave a word. It's almost like a word of correction. God gave us a prophecy, not a prophecy, but a word about how he wants to get things to us now. But the problem is we're not obedient. We're not willing to stand in and persevere and that we're moved by the things that we see. So the key takeaways from week number two is that God doesn't always do things the way you think is best, but do them anyway, right? He knows best. God doesn't always do things the way Ralph thinks is best, but I got to do them anyway because he knows what's best. The other key takeaway from week number two was this. God is asking you to do it a certain way because he already knows what you can take. And man, we talked about how there's therefore no temptation that's uh, that's presented to you that's not coming to man. But for every temptation, God says that he'll provide a way of escape. So many times God sends you in a direction because that's the direction he knows that you're able to handle by your spirit. But so many times we don't hear God. And because we don't, we fail to hear God and do it his way, we find ourselves going on paths, going on journeys that he hasn't ordained and his protection isn't present. And so we find ourselves in situations that it's hard to withstand simply because we have, we're trying to do it out of our flesh and not out of the spirit. So we got to listen to God and do it his way. But the enemy's job, what he wants to do is to lure you into sin and get you comfortable being disobedient to God. Because if he can get you comfortable being disobedient to God, he can get you to forfeit the right that you have to inherit the premises that God has already given you. And so that was what we talked about there. And it says ungratefulness extinguishes your passion. The moment you lose focus of the premise of God because you focus on the current reality. It is hard to be looking in two places at the same time. Actually, it's impossible. You can't be looking both left and right simultaneously. You got to look one way. And so when we make the current realities the thing that we magnify in our life, it causes us to lose focus of God because the current reality that you see may be in contradiction to what God is asking you to do. And so we got to always on our imagination, no matter what we observe with our natural eyes, we got to always go back back to what God has said. Okay, God, I know you said I'm debt free. Right now, Arvis says I'm negative $20 in the hole. But God, I thank you that I'm debt free. I thank you that you'll give me a plan of action, right? Because we can expect that when we're in faith. Thank you, God, for plan of action. I thank you for wisdom. All right. I thank you for strength to endure to change comes. I thank you for favor so that I may come out of this this what looks like in a natural uh, uh, negative situation. But the truth is I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I got plenty more to put in store. So God, I thank you for that. Right. And so that was week that week. It says, believing it. We talked about believing in the Lord God. You'll be established and believing his prophet and you will prosper. And how so many times we miss out on prosperous situations because we choose not to believe our man and woman of God. Basically, we don't be, we're not humble and we don't want to submit. Pastor Shana made a post today. She said, one of the issues with the body of Christ is that there is rank and order. And I don't care how old I am. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care my status in life. Pastor Edwin is my chosen and Pastor Shana is my chosen man and woman of God. That's who God has called me to. So it doesn't matter the status. I understand rank and order in the kingdom. 
And then week number three, don't let your eyes fool you. We went to our base scripture here, Philippians 3, 13 through 14, right? Not going to read that to you. Key takeaways, don't be afraid, just believe. You remember Jairus was walking with Jesus and Matthew, I think it was Matthew 5, and he was walking with Jesus. And when Jairus found out his daughter was dead, Jesus said, what? Don't be afraid, just believe. And we define that. What's being afraid? Don't be put to flight by terrifying information. Don't be put to flight by the economy. Don't be put to flight by contradictory information. Don't be put to flight by pain in your body, right? Don't be seized by alarm. Just stay still and know that the word of God will come to pass. Habakkuk says, though the vision tarries, what are we supposed to do? Wait on it. Why? Because it certainly will come to pass. So we got to wait on it. So that's all that. That was week uh, last week. My faith makes it mine. We talked about poisons of perseverance, plaguing problems. If it ain't one thing, it's another, right? Plummeting provisions. I mean, not having enough. Painful persecution. Personal perversions and passive people. You got to tame your team. And we said, don't let your eyes fool you. So no matter what I observe in the natural, I will not be distracted from uh, pursuing the promises of God. No matter what I see, no matter how, you got to understand that a yes from God is permanent and a no from anybody on earth is only temporary. That no is only no for that moment because your yes is in the next moment. I don't ever got to be uh, uh, in despair. I don't ever got to be disgusted. I don't ever got to be dismayed because God's yes is out there. And if God said that it's a yes, then your yes is out there. Well, they told me I couldn't get a house. Well, that ain't who you're supposed to be dealing with. You keep going. Why? Because God said your yes was out there. Well, well, I'm still, uh, my marriage is not whole. Well, are you doing what God has said do? Well, yes, I'm doing what God is saying to do. Well, persevere, baby. Why? Because your whole marriage is out there. You can't quit because what you see in the natural does not look like what God has promised you in the spiritual. You don't let your eyes fool you. You got to persevere. Because the moment you begin to look at your situation, then you take your eyes off the promise. All right. That's where we are there. And then how to cultivate perseverance. I'm going to go through these quickly because it's eating up my time. We talked about these last week. Convenient effort, compromising excuses. We got to have a resolve. I can't obey God only when it's convenient. I can't make excuses on why I can't obey God. I can't be looking for Pastor Chris and Pastor Edwin and Pastor uh, Sean and, and Coach Vaughn to always co-sign everything that I want. Um, God has asked me to do. God ain't spoke to them. God spoke to you so that you don't need anybody else exhorting you to be obedient to God. You got to encourage your own self in the Lord circumstantial or contradictory evidence. I got to have resolve above that. I got to stick with my confession that becomes my reality. I got to stick to my confession until it becomes my reality. So I don't stop saying what God has said until I have physically seen what God has said. And then we talked about the regiment of perseverance. 
be established and settled in the word. I, I left a word, I left that out, but I mean, I've been studying it. Be established and settled in the word. Be excited about his will for my life. Eliminate satanic worries. Embrace confessing the word and engage in spiritual work and engage in spiritual worship, which I want to come back and we'll talk about how worship and obedience are really two and the same things. Well, Pastor Evan, I'm going to start a series of work, obedience this Sunday. All right. So, that got us to today. And I have about, oh, I'm good. I got about 40 minutes to talk about today. Where do I find the strength to persevere? So I'm going to get rid of that and we're going to get started. And tonight said, you are now on banners, my friend. So let's start at Matthew 26 and 39. It says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as my father, right? But as you will. That's what he said. And this is Jesus talking, right? This is Jesus, who's 100% God, uh, saying, God, now now he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, hey, gee, hey, God, this is your boy, Jesus. Yeah, it's me. Hey. Uh, Hey, is it any way that this cup can be taken from me? Is it any way that I don't have to go to the cross? Is it any way I don't I don't have to endure all this? Is there any way? And, and, and I love what he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so when we're talking about finding the strength to persevere, the first thing you got to have is this. You got to have a degree of reverence towards God. The degree of reverence you have towards God will determine their strength that you have to persevere. I got to understand who, who do I value the most. I got to understand that his will is better than my will. And so, and Jesus was a perfect example. Jesus felt like quitting, just like you do, just like we do sometimes. Jesus felt like quitting. That was the fleshly part of Jesus. However, due to his reverence to God, he persevered. So many times we don't have the strength to persevere because we don't have a reverence for God above our own will. God's will always trumps my will. If you play cards or spades, God's will is the big joker, right? The big joker trumps everything. God's will trumps my will. God's will is greater than my will. It's not greater than or equal to. I'm a math teacher. It's not greater than or equal to. God's will is better than my will. His way is better. That's a song, ain't it, Chris? His way, I can't sing for y'all. I wish I could sing. I'll sing for y'all tonight. But his way is better. But if you don't understand and reverence God, honestly, what happens is this. A lot of it, a lot of it is just hypocritical worship. What's hypocritical worship? People who say God is great, but then his actions don't line up to it. You a word worshiper. You, you, you praise God, but your praise don't lead to no change in your action. Hypocrite. Your, 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 your church attendance don't lead to a change in your actions. You ain't doing anything different but attending church. You still, I mean, so that's why your results haven't changed. Church attendance doesn't free you. The word frees you. 
I mean, I walk in my garage all the time, but I don't turn into a car. When I walk into my shed where my lawnmower is, I don't turn into a lawnmower. Going to church by itself doesn't free you if you're not utilizing the word you receive to change you. And for so many people, we come, we hear, but there's no hearkening. There's no hearing and doing. It is the doing that frees you. And so we got to understand that Jesus felt like quitting, but he understood his purpose. He understood he had a reverence for the father. Even when his flesh wanted to go left, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Matthew 26 and 42 says it this way. He went away a second time. What? The Lord, he didn't do it not once, but he did it twice. I mean, I've done, I, I done that. I'm like, man, I sure don't feel like fasting this Tuesday. Flesh always talking to you. Jesus flesh talked to him. He says he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. May your will be done. So in other words, he's saying, you know what? I already foresee what's happening. Jesus already saw himself on the cross. He already saw himself being pierced. He was imagining the pressures and the weight of the sin, our sins, on him. In that moment, his flesh cried out. But he says, God, I have a reverence for you. In other words, God, I worship you. I lift you up above everything else in my life. I submit my will to your will. Even though my flesh doesn't want to, it's going to because your will is better than mine. His way is better. His way is better. His way is better. Jesus wasn't talking about God, I'll do it. And then he got to the cross and ran away. His words and his actions all aligned. And so what we got to understand is we're not our own. And see, we I mean, how many of you guys, if you pay somebody to come detail your car and they got there and they said, mm, this car too dirty, I'm about to leave. But you already paid them. You had to pay them up front. How are you going to feel? How many guys... I mean, think about this. What if your toaster that you brought, all right? April just cooked breakfast for dinner for us. Thank you, baby. Those, that waffle's good. Uh, what if that waffle iron just said, you know what? We about to vamp out. I don't feel like being here anymore. You're going to be like, no, I paid for you, right? I mean, what if your car just said, you know what? I'm about to put myself in reverse back up out this driveway. I'm bouncing. No, they don't work. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, though, because you want anything you pay for, you feel like you own, right? The Bible says, for you were brought with what? A price. Therefore, glorify God where? What do you tell you to glorify God at? In your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. So you understand what ownership looks like. You understand when you own something, then you have a right to then talk about how it's utilized, right? But so many times we think we own ourselves. 
We were brought at a price. What was that price? The price of Jesus' life. That he wanted to be like, God, can you take this from me? He said, but if it's not your will, it's not the way, I got you, God. And that's what we need to say to God, because that's where we find strength to persevere. The strength to persevere is found in our obedience to God. I told you last week in Philippians 2 and 13, it's not in there, say it. Uh, that the Bible says that here goes, give us the strength and the energy to do what pleases him, right? And so when we begin to obey God, he gives us all the necessary ingredients to fulfill anything that he's ever asked of us. If God asks you to fast for five days, you got the strength, you got the energy to do it. Now you may listen to your flesh and your flesh like, we ain't doing this. I plan on eating a steak tonight. You know you got that birthday party coming up. You, you know you want to attend that birthday party. You know you're having a lunch at work. And we're putting all of these tangible, all of these temporary, all of these fleshly things above the will of the Father. I can't fast five days because I got a party I got to attend. I, I can't fast uh, tomorrow because we got a birthday. I mean, we got something else doing. God, I don't feel like it. It, you think the Bible says Jesus went a second time and prayed. Did you think it Jesus felt like dying? Do you think he felt like taking on the sin of the whole world? Do you think he felt like that? Obviously not because scripture tells us, but he did it because he knew God's way was better. He knew that because of his perseverance, and we'll get to that at the end, your perseverance isn't just for you. Your perseverance is a witness and a testimony for other people. And it's contagious. When people see other people persevering and manifesting, then it gives them the strength, the energy, and the faith to do it from them. Because God is not a respected person. If he brought Jesus through the cross, if he raised him from the dead, if that same spirit now dwells in us, how much more will we even be able to do greater things? We got to depend on that. But it was only when we see his will better than ours. Matthew 26 and 41 says this, watch and pray so that you will not what? Fall into temptation. What's the spirit? The spirit is always willing, but who we? That flesh is weak. And Jesus' flesh wanted to abort the plan of God. His flesh wanted no part in, every, <laughs> in the persecution. His flesh was weak. However, his he brought his flesh into alignment by submitting to God. Go ahead and type that. Say, I submit my my heart, my will, and my, I mean, I, I, I commit my heart, my soul, and my body to God. I commit my heart, my soul, and my body to God. I commit my heart, my soul, and my body to God. Why? Because you got to submit all of that, baby. I mean, your spirit is always going to be aligned with, excuse me, your spirit is always going to be aligned with God, but it's that dang on mind, will, imagination, right? Intellect. It's that part. And then it's that body that wants to do what it wants to do. So how do I agree? How do I make my body agree? You submit. That's why the enemy is always trying to get you to operate 
and pride. He's always trying to get you to be your own Lord. Because if he can get you to be your own Lord, then you no longer have reverence for God. If you no longer have reverence for God, you no longer get the strength you need to persevere. If you don't have the strength you need to persevere, then that means you're going to grow weak and well-doing and you will faint. And you won't experience the abundance that God has for you simply because you made flesh your arm. We can't depend on flesh. It will fail you every time. Well, Ralph, my flesh ain't failed me every time, baby. Failure may look like success today, but it will rot and become disastrous tomorrow. The enemy can make failure look like, because you, let me go to Jeremiah 17 and 5. Let me tell you what the word says. Absolutely, Pastor Evan, that's good. Submission is an act of courage for the believer. Jeremiah 17 and 5 says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is a man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So when I begin to operate in my flesh, my heart, it says and, and is a conjunction. Both of these things are happening. As I rely on wrath, as I rely on flesh, as I rely on society, as I rely on economists, as I rely on my job, as I rely on the bank, right? my heart turns away from God. Why? Because anything that I rely on is my is the strength in which I, I, I draw from. God, basically, it becomes an idol. And so what we have to understand, God doesn't want any other gods before him. So he's telling us, look, cursed is a man who makes flesh his arm because the operating flesh is to have your heart turn away from god now i just had you type what i will submit what to god my heart my soul and my what my body why because when i commit all of those things to god it is the only way i could keep god in the reverential place that he desires to be and i will see my will subpar to his will i rely on god that's right, Everett. I rely on God. So the flesh must be forced to worship God. The flesh must be forced to obey God. And how do you do that? You must agree with God. Obey God immediately. The easiest way to, to extinguish your flesh, the easiest way to shut your flesh up is to obey God. I remember... Uh, Pastor Edwin talking about this and a couple other people talking about this. And we, I think at some point we've all done this uh, as we've fasted in the past. When your flesh rise up and like, man, I'm so on this. I'm like, okay, flesh, you keep acting up. We're going to fast another day. And for so many people, your failure to check your flesh, your failure, fasting isn't about moving God. Fasting is about putting you in a position to hear God better. Fasting is about putting you in a position to be to hear clearly, see clearly, right? And so we, our failure to fast, our failure to submit our flesh, our failure to do all those things is just simply ways we're feeding our flesh, and it was make it's what makes obeying God difficult because you spend as much time in the word as you do feeding your flesh. And so now when it's time to obey God, 
There's this fight. There's a tug of war. That's why we got to consistently take up our cross and follow him. That's why consistently we got to crucify our flesh. That's why consistently we have to make obeying God so habitual and so second nature that we don't even think about it. And that's when your flesh is completely aligned. And that's what we have to do to make that work. All right. So what we got to understand, all right, number one is this. In order to have strength to persevere, I got to have reverence for God. That's the first. I got to have reverence for God. You got to understand that your flesh is not what you should rely on. You're right, Pastor Chris. Fasting exposes the the flesh. (laughs) It it is up to me to make it bow. It is your job. God ain't going to see, unlike things we own, right? When I own my waffle maker, right? I want to go in there and I tell it to make waffles. Then I pour the waffle mix in it and it do what do what I say. But God made us. He does. He do own us. But he does own us. But he has given us choice. Now, with that choice, he says, I lie before you life and death. And then he says, what? Choose life. So he has given us free moral choice. He has given us the ability to do right or to do wrong. But he said, hey, I want you to do right. That's how you find the uh, the center of my heart. I want you to do right. That's how you find the treasures that I've laid up for you in the earth. I want you to do right. Why? Because that's what I have set up for you. And that's what I ask as your father. And because you said I'm Lord and you submit to me, then doing right becomes what you want to do because you serve me. But we'll be honest, a bunch of us want God as Savior, but we don't want God as Lord. And that's why it's so easy to give into the lust of your flesh is because you don't have anybody lording over you. Your flesh is your God. But what we got to know is there's always a way out. Tell your neighbor, say, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and 15, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. There's nothing that you have experienced that Jesus didn't experience on that cross, but didn't sin. And he did that as our example. He did that as the as the trailblazer to give us a pathway. He did that so that he could be our template, right? Our template, he, the stencil, the thing that we could trace to ensure that we could overcome sin. So there's nothing. There's nothing that you can't overcome. There's always a way out. There's nothing you can't You. The Bible says he was tempted in which way? Every way. He was tempted with with adultery. He was tempted with crack and cocaine and and oxys and perks. He was tempted with going to to hedonists and and, and doing the thing and fulfilling all the lusts of his flesh. He was tempted with eating an extra piece of cake. He was tempted, right, with with taking a job that offered more money. He was tempted with not following through on what the father asked him to do. He was tempted with moving to Atlanta when God told you to stay where you were. He was tempted with all of that. He was tempted with the guy. He was tempted with the girl. He was tempted with stealing the money. He was tempted with all that. But the Bible says, he yet did he not sin. Yet did he not sin. How did he sin? Because he had a reverential fear. He had a reverential worship of God. And he said, Father, your will is best. 
And because of that, he persevered the cross. Because of that, once he became human, the Bible said he stayed human. He persevered. He felt all of that being 100% God. He knew everything that would happen. He knew everything that everybody that would betray him. He knew it all while he walked the earth, but he persevered. Why? Because he reverenced God. And it gave him the strength to put his uh, flesh in check. Lord, your will is best has to be our motto. Absolutely right, Pastor Ellen. Absolutely right. So let's keep going. Yep, making perfect time. So number one, in order to have, where do I get the strength to persevere? I have to reverence God's will above my own. Number two, I got to maintain a continual flow of godly information. All right. Simple. We ain't going going to talk about that one a lot. You got to stay connected. That's your job. You're responsible for every word that comes across this pulpit in every way. We've been asked to attend every service uh, of FOC this year. It's one of the four things that we're asked to do. We've been asked to to, uh, pray in the word. I mean, pray, right? Uh, and Holy Spirit, 60 minutes a day. We've been asked to read our word uh, daily. We've been asked to take uh, communion often, right? We got to maintain a continual flow of godly information. What does that look like? I mean, when you look at people who go to Alcoholic Anonymous and and, uh, and Weight Watchers and stuff like that, those support groups are what encourage them to maintain the course. Well, FOC is your support group, all right? And it's designed to help you stay the course. It's designed to give you godly information that will help you understand and enlighten you and to equip and to empower you so that you may stay the course and you may persevere. And what you got to understand is that you can't despise repetitive teaching. I go back. It's a message. Uh, by uh, Pastor Hillier. I probably listened to it probably every day for the last at least three weeks. Uh, you can't despise because I got to con- have a continual flow of godly information. It's things I've gone back and listened to a Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean over and over and over again right? I go back, my boy Elder Valley, I go back sometimes, I listen to when, and I, well, I meditate on it because I don't know where to tape it. When he talked about once saved, I mean, yeah, uh, being, you are saved, you're being saved, you will be saved, right? I go back and listen to Pastor Nietzsche when she taught on the seeds back at McNair Middle School, right? When she taught the message, good ground. Why? You got to always have continually flow of godly information. The information that you allow to flow in your life and dump in a, the information that flows most dominantly in your mouth and your life is what's going to carve your thinking, right? So think about your brain being a a, 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 a a flat piece of land, right? And information being a river. Whatever the information is that you have going through there, uh, it's either going to build you up like the word of God, that word brills you up, or it's going to be bad information and tear you down and erode things, all right? Man, y'all got candy real quick. Y'all own it. Uh, but... Your job is to maintain that flow of information. Nobody can do that for you, right? As, as I think of Everett or Wayne, one of the Coonfield says, that's my job, right? You have to maintain a continual flow of godly information. 
That's why it's important to go to church. That's why it's important to show up for prayer on Tuesday and Friday morning. That's why it's important to join Pastor uh, Chris and Elder Valley for worship. That's why it's important to follow worship up with Pastor Elton and Pastor Sean. That's why it's important to get my teens connected. Why? Because they need to continue to flow of godly information as well. That's why I need to get plugged into Victory Zone so that my kids have a foundation. And that's why it's important to be here on Wednesday nights. Why? Because as I as I pursue God and I persevere, the information that I get gives me strength to maintain. Godly information is like gas to a car. It keeps it running. All right. So number three. All right. Number one, you got to have a reverence for God. Number two, you got to have a continued flow of information. Number three, you got to have a regiment of righteousness in my life. I ain't even really going to touch that one. You got five weeks or six weeks of living a lifestyle of righteousness. Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean has taught that. But pretty much you can't live any kind of way. You got to see yourself the way God sees you. You must. I love that. You must live like something. You got to live like something. And another thing is you got to get, get rid of distractions. So many times in life, we fail to obey God simply because we let distractions in our way. You know, you know, you love Starbucks. You love the coffee and you get you a little cake every time you go. Right? So why on Tuesday would you go and decide that Tuesday's going to be the day you sit and work in a Starbucks? You set your own self up for Friday. You know you like a tall, dark chocolate or you like... You like a long hair, short chocolate, or you like a bright skin brother, or you like a light skin sister. You know what you like. Why put yourself in a situation to be tempted and fail when you know what you like? The Bible said, let me just keep going because we'll talk about the lust of your heart. But you got to know, right? You got to put safeguards in place to limit temptation, right? It's real easy. It's real easy. Like, I talked to a bunch of guys. Whatever you like will present itself. I talked to a bunch of guys, but and I, I ministered to some girls, but depending on what, what's happening, I'm like, hey, Pastor Chris, I got one for you. I, I don't got a lot of time for that, right? I ain't at work up here trying to find out what everybody's doing in, in their business and, 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 like, consoling people. No, you good. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to move on, right? So many times we let our barrier down because we think we're stronger than we really are. I mean, nobody really wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to go out and do X or I'm going to go out and do Y. I'm going to wait. I'm going to become a drug addict today. No, they, they were depressed. They were sad. They wanted a momentary escape. And so they they sought out drugs for that, Right. But then they liked the way they feel, and so they did it again. And every time they found themselves sad and depressed, then they ran over to, to drugs. They didn't just wake up wanting to be a drug addict. It was a fact that they had a distraction, and they didn't get rid of it. They didn't find the proper way to take care of the need. Because most of the time, sin, the participation of sin, it's only your, your it's a, it's a uh, counterfeit way to produce something that God already wants to give you. And, and I taught a message a while ago, a lot of things that we do, we do to belong. 
Like you're not just giving your body to that person. You want to feel loved. You want to belong. God has it for you in the kingdom. But you, so many times we go in the world looking for it. Why? Because that's where we go. Because at the end of the day, if you guard your heart, there will be less issues that could flow from it. A lot of times we don't guard our heart. The Bible tells us to guard our heart for out of it flows the issues of life. When you don't spend time guarding your heart, right? Then what happens? You you listen to all kinds of music. Like if I listen to music that cuss all day, guess what I'll probably gonna do? I'm gonna cuss. I'm gonna cuss a lot because that's what's continue. That's the flow of continual information I have flowing in my life. If I listen to music about having sex and making love all day, but I don't got no spouse. I may find myself laid up with somebody that may have a spouse, but they ain't mine. Or I may just find myself laid up. There go candy again, Chris. I may find up myself laid up with somebody all because I've allowed the information that I, in my mind to then produce images, right? You ain't listening to that music talking about making love and how they going to do X, Y, and Z. You ain't listening to that without images. Even if you're not listening to the words, your subconscious is always going. So you got to be cautious of number two, which is what information you got left, allowing to have flow in your life. Right, Wallace, laid up. That's how you can see a commercial at night. Be chilling in your bed, fine. See a commercial about some Andy's ice cream. And before you know it, it done moved you. Before you realize it, you up here, that little person that, can I help you with your order? They got their little pad in their hand. You're like, yeah, I want an ooey gooey with extra pecans, right? Why? Because you've gotten moved. You didn't guard your heart. You didn't say, no, I don't need that. It's too late. And then here's the sad powder. You got, you, you lactose intolerant. So not only do you going to have repercussions for your decisions, you just let your body move you. Only if we obey God as, as fast as we obeyed our flesh. Only if we desire to obey God the way we desire, we go out of our way to obey our flesh. You know what? Because in your, now, now you're all up all night with bubble guts. You're right. This is how powerful the imagination is. We got eight minutes. This is how powerful the imagination is, right? I know some folks, all right, who have driven two and three hours to lay up with somebody. You know how you persevere for two and three hours driving across the state of Arkansas to lay up with somebody? Because you got an imagine, you got an image in your mind. You already feeling it before you feel it. You know what I'm saying? That's what's causing you to persevere. That's what caused you to get up out of bed. That's what caused you to put gas in the car. That's what caused you to start it and start driving. Why? Because you had an image in your mind. Right? You know what's about to happen when you get there. And see, faith is when? Now. You was in faith about that layup. That's what you was. You was in faith about it. When you begin to get in faith 
about the things of God, when they become as real to you as the things in your flesh had become more real to you when you was in the world, then you just go ahead and pursue it. That We ain't got to teach this message. Ain't nobody ever taught you how to drive across Arkansas to get some. Nobody ever taught you that. You learned that on your own. But so many times, you got to have somebody... What I tell you, camaraderie exhortation. You want somebody else to push you. You want somebody else to do all that just so that you uh, can get the promise. Baby, you got to love God more than you love your flesh. You got to love God more than you love your flesh. You got to love God more than you love your flesh. So when I guard my heart, there will be less lust to draw you away. I, when I guard my heart, the Bible says we're drawn away by the lust of our own what? Right? Our own flesh. So when I guard my heart, there will be less lust that can draw me away. Why? Because if I'm drawn away by the lust of my own flesh and I tame my flesh by having safeguards in my life, then there's less lust to draw me away. But if I let my flesh do whatever my flesh wants to do, then there's going to be a whole lot of lust to draw me away. And if you you crazy if the, you don't think the enemy is going to present to you, or let me let me I get we give the enemy too much power sometimes. You crazy if you don't think the thing that you've been dwelling on won't show up in your life. Because here's the thing that you got to understand about being made in the image and the likeness of God. The words that you speak have power. So you're like, ooh, I sure wish I had a such and such. You know what? I, I Man, I would love to have this. And before you know it, it shows up even though it's not the thing that God wanted you to have. Because what's happening is you're speaking as a godly being into the earth and it's causing things to happen. That's why when you say, I'm all, I'm go, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Guess what you find out? I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. So you got to make sure that you're guarding your heart. All right, number four, quality of my spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships matter. Where you go to church matters. Are you hanging with people? who are pushing you towards your kingdom destiny and purpose? Or do you hang with people who encourage you to do what you feel? Now, we got a guy group. I'm going to mess with our wives a little bit. We got a guy group. And, and I, I wish y'all could see Pastor Chris face in the studio. We, we got a guy group. And in that guy group, our wives assume that we do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, and they be making faces as, at us. But they don't understand that in that God group, there is, thank you, Trina. I'm going to post your comment for you. You sure right, Trina Coleman. There is accountability up in that God group. There, there is accountability. There is prayers. There is faith. There, 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 is, there is encouragement. All of those things are going on in that group. We are reminding each other what God has called us to do. Say it, say it, what group? You ain't in that group, say it. You need to go check your slack. But anyway, that's what you got to understand. What are your relationships doing for you? Do the people you hang around, do they encourage you and remind you of who God is? Do they pray for you? I mean, what, what, what do they do, right? 
I don't need a friend when I call them and say, hey, man, me and my, my kids, my two boys and I tested cop. Uh, tested positive for COVID. They're like, ooh, we hope you don't die like them others. I don't need them friends. Them ain't the ones I need in my life. I feel you on that, uh, Wallace. Wallace said today, literally, I said today, I may have to release a 30-year friendship. There's no growth. You got to ask God, who's who's supposed to be in my life? Who I love what Pastor John says. You're my friend because God told you me you were. A lot of times we pick people because we like them. But that just because you like somebody doesn't mean that person needs to be in your life. And I say it, and I don't care what people feel about it. Just because they're family doesn't mean they got to be in your life. I, I, all family ain't good for you. But you let the burden, and I'm going to say it just like this. You let the burden of blood cause you to be unhappy and depressed in your life because you feel like you got to be obligated to it. Anybody that's not good for me ain't good for me. Anybody God said ain't good for me ain't good for me. It don't matter if you're my mama, you cut my cousin, my brother, or whatever. You got to understand, go back to number one, having a reverence for God. If God said this ain't the season to be kicking it with such and such, it ain't the season to be kicking it with them. And you got to do that because you know that God's way is better. All right, quality relationship. So, and that's number four. So number one, to build, to strengthen, all right? Where do I get the strength to persevere? Number one, you got to have a reverence for God. Number two, you got to maintain a flow of information in your life. Number three, you got to have a regiment of righteousness. Number four, you got to have great spiritual relationships, quality spiritual relationships. Number five, you got to have confidence in the process. You got to understand that over there in Mark 4, 26, y'all all been there. It says all by itself, the sower produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, right? You got to have confidence in the process. I got to trust God more than what I'm seeing in the natural. I You got to you gotta be grateful. I love what the uh, prophecy says. Let me just read it right here. As your victories pile up through this year, remember that you did not create these victories because of your own efforts. These victories were already given to you by me. So carry yourself throughout the year. Move with purpose and be without fear. This is what you got to understand. You got to celebrate every single growth. I remember Pastor Edwin was talking about we're going to be uh we're going to be a worldwide ministry way back in 2001. And, and we celebrated every time we got a partner from well I we just got one we're all in Arkansas, but we got one partner in Texas baby. Now we in two states. That was just the stalk baby. You got to look at we used to say something like this. It's something's always happening on my behalf. Something's always working on my behalf. Every day I wake up, God has worked something out on my behalf. Every day I breathe, every step I take, God is working it out on my behalf. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Now, 20 years later, we are a full worldwide ministry with hundreds of partners, giving it, raising $130,000 in one month, giving scholarships to people, all because he 
dared to believe God. He had quality spiritual relationships. He had a regiment of righteousness, right? He he took the will of God above his own will. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean lived this out. They had a they maintained a continual flow of godly information. That's what perseverance looks like. FOC is the result. The FOC you see today is the result of their perseverance over two decades. They had confidence in his process. When all the other pastors said that didn't make no sense. When we moved to Texas and they was like, why you do that? When we moved to Conway and they say, why you do that? It was all setting us up, baby. We were building ourselves in spiritual maturity. And here's the thing. As long as you follow God, you're going to miss God sometime. Don't worry about getting it right. You will always end up where he wants you to be because God is the perfect GPS. Anytime you may navigate off the path, it just said beep, 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 redirecting, and he gives you the new way you need to go in order to get to where he always wanted you to be. So you got to have confidence in the process. Celebrate every victory. You know, I believe in God to be debt free. You paid off your light bill. Well, your light bill was only, uh, your I mean, your gas bill. It's summer. You ain't running gas. Gas ain't but $13, but you paid it in full. God, I thank you for the ability to pay all my bills in full the same way I paid this bill in full. So next, you may pay your next bill in full. Next, he may say, Oh, Lord, don't go on that vacation. Pay that credit card off instead. Then you got to go back to number one. I know my flesh want to be on the beach, but God told me to pay off this credit card instead because he's always perfecting you. And so you pay off the credit card and before you realize somebody done gave you a trip to the beach. Why? Wow, because he always has your best interest in mind. But the question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? God won't always tell us everything, but he'll give us enough information that we need. He'll, he won't tell us everything, but he'll give us the information that we need. Picture this. Picture this. All right. So let's say that you are not where you want to be right now, right? And let, let's use one even easier, right? Let's say God told me that I was going to go to Pastor Edwin's house. And I was like, Lord, how am I going to do that, right? I can't see Pastor Edwin's house. And the Lord just said, hey, all I need for you to do for the moment is walk out your office door, all right? Now, God's trying to take me somewhere. I don't know the end of it, but he says, just walk out, walk out your office door. The moment I walk out my office door, I see something new. And he says, now from the office door, go to the garage. The moment I walk through the next door, I see something new. He says, now open your door to your car. The moment I open my door to the car, I see something new. And the moment I get in my car and travel the interstate, I see something new. And the moment I get off on the exit, he told me to get off of, I see something new. God will give you need to know information based on where you are. And so before I knew it, I'm getting off on the exit in Springdale. Before I knew it, I'm turning into the yard. Before I knew it, I'm walking through this door. Why? Because each door 
give you access to the next door. But if you won't be obedient to God and go, go through the first door, then you can't ever access the next door. And so sometimes we're hanging up, we're, our lack of confidence in the process weakens our ability to, be, to persevere because we don't trust God. I just need to I just need to trust God on this first step. You just need to go through the first door. Don't worry about the next one. He'll take care of that. Just, just get to the next place. Right? As the children of Israel left uh, Egypt, J just make it to the sea. What in the world are we going to do, God? Did you bring us out here to die? Are there enough not enough uh graves in Egypt, Father? Moses, stretch out the rod, part the sea. They get across the sea. Lord, you bring us out here. We're hungry. It's hot. Let me give them a pillow of, of a cloud by day and a pillow of fire by night. Let me give them manna. Why? Each step of the way, he's already orchestrated. You just got to be willing to go through the door. Say, tell your neighbor, say, I'm, I'm willing to go through the door. I'm willing to go through the door. I may not see the whole way, but I'm willing to go through the door. All right. And as we finish up, this was the last part of this sermon, this, this series. Your perseverance helps others. So let's go to Luke 8 as we end tonight. Luke 8, 47 and 48. All right, it says this. Let me tell you the background. We got Jairus. He came to Jesus, right? He told Jesus, hey, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Jesus said, hey, I got you, Jairus. Let's roll out to your house. On the way to Jairus' house, we know that the woman with the issue of blood encountered Jesus. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, right? That's another message. She never let go of her confession. She said, if I can just touch the hem, right? But anyway, in verse 47, it says this. And when the woman saw, and Jesus like, somebody touched me, the powers left me. Right. And it picks up here. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared, look what she did. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched. So in other words, she had she had told all the people why she had persevered to touch Jesus and how she was what healed immediately. Do, don't you know Jesus already knew that? So what, look what happened. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. The very next scripture, Jairus' servants show up and say, Jairus, don't bother the master anymore for your daughter is dead. What do you think that woman was doing? Her perseverance was testimony to encourage Jairus. And God immediately says, hey, Jairus, be a, don't fear, keep believing. And he, in that moment, had an opportunity to hear the testimony of a lady that had persevered for years to get to Jesus, and Jesus healed her. So Jairus heard the widow woman's testimony, her perseverance now gave Jairus confidence to know that Jesus would do it for him too. He's like, he could, I bet he probably said to himself, this woman has had this issue for years and Jesus healed her. My daughter, though dead, hasn't been dead for long. 
if that Jesus can heal her, then he'll come on over here and heal, heal my daughter too. Why? Because as we each persevere towards the promise of God, it becomes a testimony for the next person. Yeah, he'll do it. Uh, Everett, he'll do it. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. He'll take care of you. And that's why it's so important for each of us to persevere, to obtain the premises of God, because there are other people out there who are going to see us lay hold of the premises of God, and they're going to be in carriage and say, I can do it. I saw Pastor Chris did. I saw Courtney believe God for that house. I saw Strick. And Pastor Sean, believe God for Jordan. I, I know that God will heal my child too. If he did it once, he'll do it again. He's not a respective person. So people persevere. I mean, people overcome by the word of testimony. But testimony is only achieved by those that persevere. Testimony is a finish line product. It's only for those who didn't cave in. It's only for those that didn't quit. That's who have the testimony. So don't let things hinder you from obeying God. So where do I get my strength to persevere? By, by first having a reverence for God. Number two, maintaining, maintaining a continual godly flow of information. Number three, having a regiment of righteousness. Number four, by maintaining quality relationships. And number five, having a confidence in God's process. I can trust that his way is better. All right. And then I persevere because my per perseverance causes me to achieve the promise, but it also gives others the confidence that God will do it for them as well. And so that's my time tonight. And that's the conclusion of our series on pressing in, right? Choosing to persevere. And so I hope this series has blessed you as much as it's blessed me as I studied it. Uh, and so let me do the announcements real quick so we can get out of here because we're right at 906. All right, you guys know uh, our next opportunity to be together is on Wednesday, I mean on Friday at 6:30 a.m. when all the champions come out to prayer. All right, so make sure that you're joining us. I got you, bro. I see you got your baby. I got you. You straight. Uh, make sure you come out and join us Friday at 6:30 a.m. for Champion Circle, and then come out Sunday morning and join Pastor Chris in Elder Valley uh, for worship. You can do that by going to her personal, I mean, yeah, her personal, no, Kristen Valley Worships, uh, following that on Facebook. Uh, then stay tuned. And then right after, we're going to join Pastor Edward and Pastor Sean as they start the new, their new series on obedience, right? And then Monday, you join Pastor Sean for Strategies for Success. And Tuesday, we're back for 8 p.m., at 8 p.m. for uh, prayer. And then Wednesdays, make sure that you're getting your teens plugged in for Ignite and then Victory Zone is on demand, all right? Please know that our next face-to-face -face, uh, service, our next huddle will be uh, August 28th uh, at 11 p.m., 11 a.m., all right? 11 a.m., not 11 p.m., 11 p.m. Ain't nobody going to be there. It's going to be dark. But that will be our next service in Fayetteville, our Northwest Arkansas location. Um, and if you know it, FOC, I'll say it. I love saying it. We have 100% tithers. So there's a number of ways for you to give. They're on your screen at this time. You can give a Gillify, you can give Push Pay, Tidly, Text to Give, 
Uh, and for our international partners, please utilize PayPal at focchurchnwa at gmail.com. I will, want, I do want to say this. Uh, you can give to the scholarship fund at any time. I give all throughout the year because uh, I made a commitment that I want to sponsor a scholarship. So I try to not try. I, I commit to giving. So I have the money that that I need to give until I write a check for $10,000 and pay for one all at one time. I will at least give that 20, that 1250, uh, uh, per semester, you know, give that. Why? $2,500 a year over four years is $10,000. And so start where you are. I challenge you to ask God, God, what can I do? Don't, you don't got to wait to July to give to a scholarship fund, right? But you also don't got to wait to give. That's the awesome thing about having multiple ways to give. I think I, I give all through the week. If I get increased, I give uh, through the week. So make sure that you're doing that uh, as well. Make sure that you're sharing the gospel. Uh, it is our job to make. It's not Pastor Edwin and Pastor job, Sean's job to go into. Uh, well, it is their job, but it's our job to grow the ministry. Each one of you, each one of you guys is still on here. It's our job to grow the ministry. So we got to be out talking to people. We got to be out witnessing the people. It's our job to grow the kingdom. So let's make sure that we're doing good for God. So you guys go be blessed. Have a great week. And I invite you, if you don't know Lord Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I invite you to come home. I invite you to get connected to a church. I invite you to let him into your life so that he can be the one that causes you to live a life of abundance, of peace, of wholeness. Just come home. Say, Father God, I want to accept you into my life tonight. I accept you as Lord and Savior. I thank you that your Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of me, and I declare that my life will never be the same. And it's not going to be the same because you're going to get connected to a church home. Why? Why is a church home important? Because you need a continual flow of godly information. You need support. We have a good place. Go to focchurch.com and join our partnership list today. All right. And we can get you connected uh, as a church home. We can get you connected to somebody who can help mentor you and, and disciple you. All right. And if you somebody and I want to say that if you somebody you're like, man, I really need somebody to help disciple me. I really need questions. If you're a God and you want to want somebody to help walk you through the word inbox me. All right. We don't want anybody out there struggling to understand God's word. We want you to be able to walk in the word. We want you to be able to produce fruit and live life for Jesus. Amen. So be blessed. Reach out if you need anything. We love you. Have a great night.